All right, uh, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Joining us now, of course, from the Bleacher Report, he's our good friend Howard Beck. Hi, Howard. Happy Friday. How are you? You too. Good afternoon, guys. Hey, so let's talk about that Eastern Conference final. Uh, how surprised are you that uh, Toronto's been able to rattle off three straight and, and take command of that series? There's not a single thing that could happen in this series that would surprise me. Um, you know, I, I considered even before the postseason began that, you know, it was probably these two teams, and I always felt it was like a coin flip. They're v- very similar. They're, they're different stylistically in ways, but they're similar in that they, you know, they each have a, a top-five type player, an MVP-type player. Obviously, Giannis, the favorite to win it this year, and Kawhi, if he continues playing like he has in this postseason next season, now that he's back to full health, he's going to be back in an MVP conversation, too, wherever he's playing. So they're both built around one elite guy and a bunch of really nice role players, and they both are great defensive teams. Um, And, you know, the difference mostly at this point is that the Raptors' elite player, their MVP, can make shots from everywhere. And the Bucks star, the, who's the likely regular season MVP, Giannis doesn't have that full repertoire yet. And that's not a knock on him. He's just still young and, and growing and had an MVP season despite all of that. But he's been limited. And credit that to the Raptors being a great defensive team and the scheme that they've got against him. And part of that is just on Giannis to, to need to you know grow his game more. Um, that's not going to happen in the next couple of days, but it is a limitation that they have on them. Now, it doesn't mean I don't think this could flip around again. I, you know, could the Bucks go into Toronto tomorrow night, win it, force a Game 7 back in Milwaukee? That's altogether within the realm of possibility. I have no solid prediction on the way this series is going to unfold. Although, like everybody else, when you see a team win three straight, you kind of you know, lean toward that team having the momentum. Um, and it, it, it certainly feels like they could close this out tomorrow. Man, we've been leaning one way and then the other throughout this whole thing. How much effect or influence will uh, would the Raptors going to the NBA Finals have on Kawhi's decision about where to play, Howard, where to sign? I don't think anybody knows the answer to that. I don't think the Raptors know the answer to that. I don't think Kawhi necessarily knows the answer to that. I It's... I would find it hard to believe that it has no impact, right? Like, getting back to the finals for him, obviously he's won a championship, he's won a finals MVP before, but to take a a different team, a a team that had never been there, would be special. You know, he did it with the Spurs, and he was the MVP of that finals uh, for all of the obvious reasons, but he was there as a guy who was playing alongside Tony Parker, Mano Ginobili, Tim Duncan, guys who had won a bunch of titles before him. And it still felt like their team, even as he emerged. And this is different. The Raptors had never been, still have not been, obviously, have not been to the finals yet, but they've had a lot of troubles in the postseason. And he has given them a new kind of belief. So if he gets them there, and then especially if he wins the championship, and he's the guy who's responsible for it more than anyone, there's no Tim Duncan, no Tony Parker. You know, no one's going to say it's because of Kyle Lowry or Pascal Siakam, as good as those guys are. It's going to have been about Kawhi came here, and he got us where we never could go before, even if they lost. And I have to think that, you know, just on a human level, just the emotional ties, the bonds that, that are created by that, the affinity that you then have for the franchise and the city, for, for giving you that opportunity, and then all the, the love that comes behind that, 
I think it would make it harder to go. Now, does that mean he won't go back to L.A. anyway because that's, you know, where he's from or he's at least from Southern California? Um, who knows? It might, you know, he might come to the same conclusion and leave, but it'll make it a lot harder. Howard Beck is with us from the Bleacher Report, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, Howard, I know you wrote about this, but how weird is it to have a playoff and be talking conference finals with no LeBron James? I think it's profoundly weird. I mean, it's been 14 years since he last missed, 2005. And, and yeah, thanks for uh, alluding to the story. It's up on Bleacher Report right now. Um, I just wrote about this phenomenon, this this oddity um, of having to – you know, uh, or, or, or just processing this playoffs without him on that stage. We're so used to it. And a lot has happened in the 14 years since he was last not in the playoffs. And, you know, it just changes the prism through which we see all of these things. You know, nobody in the East had to go through LeBron. Now, they wouldn't have anyway because he moved West. But still, it's the first time in a long time that that has happened. The Warriors, their entire dynasty has been defined by LeBron. You know, they, they beat him for their first championship, and that made it all that much more, uh, I, I think, um, hefty. You kind of add, added a little bit, another layer to it. So when they break through and they win their first championship in, you know, 30-whatever years, it's against LeBron James, the elite player or the best player of his time. They lose the next one, and that pushes them towards signing Kevin Durant. And so that changed the trajectory of multiple teams in the NBA. Um, so everything, you know, all four of their finals were against him. It, so it's just not having him here. Plus, he, there's no more compelling figure in the NBA. There are a bunch of other stars in the NBA. There's a lot of elite players. And the, the playoffs have been fine as a basketball matter without him. But talking about LeBron, debating LeBron, listening to LeBron, watching LeBron, it's just been a staple for, you know, as I say, say 13 years. Uh, so to not have him there is, is strange on many levels. So I'm going to guess on this, Howard, but through our years of having conversations with you, I've gotten the impression you're really not that big or that keen on these all-NBA teams. And I know you don't like having writers and others participate in the process that could either gain or cost players $50 million and whatnot. But curious to know what you thought of the, uh, of the, of the, the, the three teams and uh, the players that were named. Yeah, I mean, so just to clarify my own stance, I mean, I've been a voter for years. Um, I'm fully okay with us playing that role, even as it can be awkward at times. Um, but I don't. what I don't like, what I'm absolutely opposed to, and what I really wish the NBA would dispense with, is tying the Supermax or any other massive payoff to the awards. Um, you know, we didn't choose that. We, the, the, the media who vote on these awards, did not choose to be the ones to either uh, award or not award, the, you know, an extra $30 million to Kemba Walker or Bradley Beal or, or Clay Thompson. You know, we, you know, voting on the awards is a, a responsibility. It's an honor. Um, but doing it in a way where, it, where, where it's tied to uh, contract terms is ludicrous. And the NBA... And the union negotiated it into the last CBA, and so they kind of foisted that on us. It's not something we would want. Um, nevertheless, that's where we are. Uh, the all-NBA teams, I had no problem with the results. Um, my ballot was a little bit different than what actually, uh, than what the, the, the full 100-person body, 
you know, decided on. Uh, I had Clay Thompson and Bradley Beal on my All NBA third team at guard. Um, I think it was Westbrook and Kemba who made it instead. That's fine. Uh, those were both valid candidates and guys that I considered. Uh, I thought that uh, that Beal and Clay deserved it this season. Howard Beck of the Bleacher Report with us. Speaking about that Supermax, it seems in its uh, few years of existence it's been somewhat controversial just because 35% of the salary cap is so much. Uh, taking out you know, who actually has one and who doesn't, how many players in the NBA do you think are actually worth 35% of the cap? <laughs> um, I'm going to assume you don't mean worth in terms of dollars, but worth as a matter of is it – uh, worth is this player good enough that we're going to hamstring ourselves in terms of our our salary cap situation? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I've never really thought about it in those terms. Uh, it's under ten. Hmm. Um, it might be seven. Um, I don't think it includes a guy like Kemba Walker, as good as he is. I don't, I'm not even sure if it includes Clay Thompson, even though he's one of the greatest shooters of all time. I, I would think that if you want to tie up 35% of your cap in one guy, it can't just be the best player on your team or one of the best in the league. It has to be a guy who is so great that that money that you can't, that, that suddenly can't be allocated somewhere else um, doesn't matter because he's that great, because he's a LeBron James or a Kawhi Leonard or a Kevin Durant or a Steph Curry or a Giannis. Um, and like I say, there just aren't that many of those guys. I mean, I, I would say that and people will take this as, as an insult, but I don't even know that Russell Westbrook is worth that, you know, because he's not at the level of Durant and LeBron and Kawhi, and that's not an insult. There just aren't that many of those guys who are so great that they make up for, uh, you know, deficiencies elsewhere in, in the lineup and where you can afford to allocate that much of the cap. Howard, did it surprise you, the the, uh, the report, that there was friction between James Harden and Chris Paul uh, after game six in that series? And that uh, obviously, I mean, it's fairly clear that Chris Paul likes to see ball movement and whatnot, but James Harden is kind of a ball stopper at times. What do you, what'd you make of that little spat? Well, let's, let's be clear. Chris Paul likes to dominate the ball himself, too, and always has. Now, he's one of the great point guards of all time. And he's a great passer, but he's a great passer who controls the offense of the team that he's on most of the time. And, look, Chris Paul forced his trade there or, or, or requested the trade there. He's on Houston with James Harden at his own direction. So he doesn't have much ground to stand on. He knew who James Harden was. Um, Mike D'Antoni, you know, contorted his entire offensive philosophy to accommodate these two guys because they're both so good in isolation and they're both so great with the ball in their hands that Mike, who usually, you know, for, for years preached ball and player movement and the ball finds energy and all this, he changed his own offense basically to, to allow those two to do what they do best because that's what produced the wins. And, you know, Chris Paul, I, you know, I, I don't know what exactly the circumstances were that, I mean, we don't have a lot of details other than, than the one report from the Athletic. Um, but, you know, look, I, I, I do think that it's got to be frustrating for anybody um, to have the offense be so dominated by one person. And, you know, you've heard it. You heard Kobe Bryant allude to it earlier this season. You've heard other people talk about it. 
that maybe that's not a winning formula ultimately, or at least it's not going to get you to a championship, and it certainly hasn't yet. Are you hearing anything about Kevin Durant, Howard? We know he's going to miss at least game one of the finals, but uh, do, you, do you know under, if any circumstance we might actually see him? I don't think anybody has the answer to that. He just addressed the media out in the Bay Area uh, within the last couple of hours and gave an update, said that he's coming along, but he's still not. I don't think he's doing any on-court work yet. Uh, one of the media members out there said he, you could still see him walking with a little bit of a limp. That certainly doesn't sound like a guy who's going to be back on the court anytime soon. And the way this has gone and as severe as it has seemed at the time, I mean, I, I got to think there's a chance we don't see him again. If he doesn't play, will that uh, affect uh, the way the finals play out, do you think? Or are the Warriors so good and, and, and so much superior to what's going on between Toronto and Milwaukee that it really won't matter? I'll put it this way. If Durant were playing and at full strength, I think it's not even a question. It's a four- or five-game series. I think without him, the Warriors are still going to win, but it might be six or seven. Mm. Howard, back with us from the Bleacher Report, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Howard, when you see all these rumors flying around about where people are going to end up in free agency, how many uh, do you actually uh, think, oh, that, that probably has some validity to it, or is it just the Wild West out there and we just need to be patient? <laughs> well, we got to be patient. Um, it's not that any single one of these rumors uh, or reports are invalid. It's just that, you know, Things are fluid. We're still weeks away from when guys actually have to decide. There are certainly some agendas going on and things that are leaked for a reason. And you just have to take everything with a grain of salt. I mean, it's not, you know, nothing, nothing is real until it actually happens. And we've seen too many times where it appears something's going in a certain direction and then it doesn't happen. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to, 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 you know, got to get through all the clutter to the truth sometimes on these things so i don't i don't spend too much time thinking about any one of those rumors that uh you know i I do think it's interesting when a guy like brian winhurst who's very very plugged in if he says that lebron is recruiting a couple of guys you can bet that he actually is doesn't mean they're coming if you know a guy like winhurst or you know some of my other friends out there who, who who are really plugged in on the free agency stuff when they say that Kyrie Irving is considering and LeBron is considering a reunion, I buy that as well. And so, you know, those are things to keep an eye on. But, again, that, that just means that there's these – are, these are possibilities. They're not likelihoods. They're just, you know, things to consider. Howard, we've talked with you about the Lakers before. Uh, you covered that team for a while and uh, know it well. What did you think of uh, sort of this scorcher thing with Magic Johnson and the way uh, the way it's kind of turning out? It, it, it just put the Lakers in such a bad position. I mean, they were already in a bad position in part because they hired him. Um, you know, I, I never was convinced, was never sold on the idea that, that a Magic Johnson, Rob Palinka front office was a good idea that struck me from the, the start as being ill-conceived. Didn't think that it, you know, that it couldn't work out. But you know, two guys who had never done the job before, Magic hadn't even been active in the league in any particular way in 20 years, and Palinka had just been an agent and had never worked in a front office. So it just wasn't a great formula. Uh, Magic leaving, even the way he did, yeah, it was a spectacle. Yeah, it was not handled well. But 
it gave them an opportunity to, to reset and hire a more experienced front office. And Jeannie Buss chose not to um, and just elevated Rob Polinka. And I don't think that anything that has happened since has gone particularly well, clearly. Um, and, you know, even on the day they're introducing their new coach, who was their third choice, they've got to deal with the spectacle of magic on TV, ripping everybody. Uh, it's just, it's not good. It's, it, and it's not just because it's a bad luck that he's saying these things. It's, it's a, the real problem is that a lot of what he's saying is true. They, they don't have great leadership and there's too many voices, and, you know, the, the, the franchise is not moving in a good direction. And, you know, what that means for free agency, that's the real question. You know, will it scare uh, other free agents off? Will it, it prevent them from making the changes they need to the roster? That would be the scarier part for them. But if they get somebody, maybe all this is forgotten. If they get another star, if Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving come in, somebody, and... With LeBron, all of a sudden they're back in contention. People might uh, might forgive the rest of this. Howard, thank you very much as always for the insight and enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Thanks, guys. You too. Thanks, Howard. Howard Beck from the Bleacher Report.